Talk on the go, the longest running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the go, special ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Good evening or good morning, depending on when you're listening. This is Nats Talk on the go. I am your host, Craig, uh, with a special guest tonight. I'm here with Frank at Nationals 101. He's joining us to be a co-host tonight. Frank, how's it going? I'm doing wonderfully, Craig. Thank you for having me. This is a, we've talked about this for a while because I used to podcast and I used to blog and then I got old and, but now I'm happy to come back and, and, and fill in to co-pilot, if you will. Yes, co-piloting is necessary sometimes. Uh, I wish we could have gotten a show out a little bit sooner uh, before things happen, but we're here now. Uh, there's an ESPN broadcast going on as we speak, and hopefully some of you are using that uh, this show as a distraction from that, but if not, uh, you can put us in your ear holes later. <clears throat> it will be just great. Uh, we've got a ton the to talk about. Yes. Dulcet tones, yes. Yes. Uh, we've got a ton to talk about. A lot of things have happened. Uh, there's just, like, so much going on. Um, it's, it's a cornucopia of nationals and baseball news. Yeah, we're going to touch on not just uh, the 2017 NL East champion Washington Nationals, but we'll probably touch on a little other things going on in baseball because, um, honestly, the next couple weeks for the Nets are – not really the most interesting, not a lot to play for either way. So we'll probably touch on uh, the Indians, some former Nets, uh, playoff opponents, that kind of thing. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with yeah. uh, the Nationals winning their fourth division title yes. in six years. Yes. Yes. Give me the – the only other team that's close in this town is the Capitals. And, I, they, and, I mean, to really think about – I always feel good. I'm just jumping in, Craig. I hope that's what I was supposed to do. Yes, that's um, exactly what you're perfect. Uh, first of all, you know, I always like to celebrate wins 81 and 82 every year because I remember these dark days when there weren't 500 in winning seasons. Uh, but to, to be able to clinch, um, officially, like in the first week of September is nuts, especially for a team that, you know, has suffered a couple of big injuries kind of down the stretch to give these guys room to, to, to heal and to play Victor Robles with, you know, no guilt or worry. And, um, you know, it looked like maybe they took the week off, but it's an exceptional feat to have clinched, you know, four division titles in six years. First time back to back too. I mean, we finally broke that odd year curse, right? Yeah, that's really important. And I'm kind of with you on the, uh, 80 crossing that 81, 82, uh, win threshold that seemed to elude the nationals for, the entirety of their existence up until about six years ago. Uh, if you look at teams like the Pirates, they went, what, 20-some years without having a 500 season? And then on the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum, you have the Yankees, who I want to say for the last probably 30 years haven't had a season under, I want to say it's 84 wins. Yeah. Something insane like that. So uh, to see the Nationals kind of rise to those ranks – uh, where that kind of passes without notice from the majority of the fan base is really cool. And it tells you a lot about where the Nationals are within the not just D.C. sports spectrum, but, you know, 
with where they are on the national spectrum. It's just, it's not a big deal. It's like, okay, here are the nationals. They're going to make some noise again. Right. Just That's to, just kind of where we are. Yeah, no, it's, especially with some of the news coming out, like, about, like, I don't want to say the downfall. I'm sure plenty of people are still watching the D.C. football team, but that people are definitely, you know, cementing interest. Like, there's, a, there's like, a, a higher just baseline, I think, of interest in baseball now, um, which is a direct correlation with how good they've played. So it's nice – it's it's a weird feeling to sort of first of all kind of have known since May that the that the division's over right like this really hasn't been a race all year um, it got a little sketchy at, at some points where like I think somebody got within nine games and but really it's been done but also to sort of just have that baseline expectation of okay like this is a playoff team and we're going and I don't know it's 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 kind of a refreshing feeling on the landscape. In my mind. By the way, the last time the Yankees had a sub-500 record, I looked it up, 1995, 79 wins. There you go, um, 22 years. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then they went on a, a little bit of a run after that, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they, they won quite a few. They have – there's all these uh, World Series 1 things happened on in the right in the column right after that. So um, I heard they're pretty good, those New York Yankees. Yeah, but here in D.C., it's really nice that – not only did the Nationals clinch the division first, uh, more than any team in baseball. I mean, look at the Nationals opponent over the weekend, the Dodgers, who just went through uh, a September swoon, unlike anyone. Holy moly, yeah. In a very long time. Um, but the Nationals were able to clinch first. I think I peaked at the uh, standings sometime a couple days ago. Nationals had a 21-game lead yep. in the division. It was just insane. And, yes, the NL East is not great at all. But still, you're still playing the rest of the league a lot. And the Nationals have had very good records against the rest of the league as well. But it's been really fun since the Nationals have clinched uh, because uh, I use this app on my phone called Time Hop, And it kind of aggregates um, tweets and you can do Instagram or Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. But I can look up posts that I've made in years past uh, from this date. And I'll see things like four years ago um, or five years ago, the Nationals' magic number is nine or 11. Or, yeah. hey, we're two and a half games out of the wild card. And then it goes back even further. And it's like, hey, if the Nats win uh, six more games this year, we're going to hit my 75 <laughs> win prediction. Right. You know, stuff like we're, that. So just we're seeing only that two progression. losses away from a hundred loss season again. Yeah. I, it's crazy. Well, there was one, it was like, Hey, if we win six more games the rest of the year, we're going to hit my 75 win prediction, something like That's that. And I'm like, wow. And there was another one where, um, I think it was, Anthony Rendon led the team, maybe. Someone led the team with, like, a two-and-a-half war on the season. Uh, and I was just like, wow. Yeah. And it kind of puts it into a little perspective on how good the Washington Nationals organization is right now. Yeah. It's not just the 2017 team. This is – the last four years of Nationals baseball has been just a rocket ship. And there is just quality all throughout. You've got – uh depth coming up through the system. I mean, Trey Turner didn't even come up till midway through the season last year. So you're seeing these important players, these milestone franchise type players come up every year. I mean, Daniel Murphy, this is his second year. So it's, 
we're really lucky to be seeing what we're seeing and what we have been seeing for the last few years that I don't want it to become something we're taking for granted. Um, and that's why I really like the whole, you know, celebrating that 82nd win, getting over that hump. Uh, you just, yeah, one more. I mean, certainly I, I just have one more thought on this. As you mentioned, like uh, about the organization, you think about the people who weren't here last year and how different this team is like, uh, two thirds of the bullpen are different. You don't have uh, um, Wilson Ramos. Like catcher is a mess right now without Wilson oh, Ramos. Oh yeah, we're gonna get there. And and you know even Danny Espinosa, who at least last year contributed something to the team, not a whole lot, but you know was kind of had his hot streak and and, and yeah. played. And then you don't have you you ostensibly don't have Ryan Zimmerman last year. Uh, and so to think about this team, what they had. Uh, going into this year, their ability to fix holes that were, you know, or at least some of the holes that were, were obvious in the first half of the year, it speaks to a, and then to look at the, the future movement and to really sort of, I don't know about you, have a kind of good feeling about the outfield next year, regardless of what ultimately happens with a certain guy named Heist Barker. Um, like, because there's just going into his free agent year. Right. And so, but you, you can look at that and say, well, I don't know. Like Michael Taylor seems to have finally figured out how to play baseball and, um, at, at a professional awesome level, he's always known how to play baseball. Uh, but Victor Robles and you just have guys that are kind of like, okay, like the outfield could be fine. You know, like it, we, it wouldn't be the same without him, but it speaks to depth going forward. And so really looking not just at the success, but the fact that you can change the team as you much, as much as you did uh, just in the last year, let alone since 2012 and still have a really good team. Um, you know, the second best record in the East and it looks pretty good going forward from here. Uh, it speaks to the organizational strength. Probably I would lay at the feet mostly of Mike Rizzo. Yeah. Um, and for sure the, 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 Depth in the organization isn't as great as it was right. uh, going into the last offseason. Um, but look at what the Nationals were able to do. I mean, Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez going out. Adam Eaton, who had an amazing month before getting injured. Uh, he's in the organization for the next four uh, four seasons. But that also gave the Nationals a chance to let Michael A. Taylor turn into the player that everyone kind of hoped he was, which right. gives the Nationals more depth going forward and brings back an Adam Eaton who won't have as much pressure on him to be the guy because the Nationals, uh, assuming there's no offseason trade, um, have some more depth. And not just Michael A. Taylor, but Brian Goodwin as well. Yeah, Goodwin so, was a nice revelation. Yeah, so these players – have come up and really gotten the job done. And it's been a bit of a revolving door. I mean, the Nationals have had, what, 13 or 14 uh, people different play people play outfield this season, um, including everyone's that. favorite, uh, Ryan Rayburn, uh, who <laughs> everyone of the, remembers. One of the many alliterative names on the Nationals this year. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you get people like Andrew Stevenson, who will be a nice uh, piece potentially in the future. It gets him some big league playing time. And being 20 and a half games up and clinching on you know, the first third of September, first mm -hmm. uh, 10 days of September, it lets you bring up Victor Robles and see how he does. Because you got, he's going to be coming up mid-year next year, I would assume. Yeah, I would think so. I think that he's 
I mean, he's looked okay. You don't want to take too much out of a couple of games, but he certainly looked comfortable. Yeah, uh, he's got two triples, except one was a double. He got thrown out at third for oversliding, but he has not looked overmatched. No, I, his very his first at bat that he got an out on, I think, was ten or eleven pitches. There was a really good at bat there, and he and he and he didn't capitalize, but he he looked great. Yeah, and he was he started the season in high A in Potomac, and <laughs> he is having effective at bats at, at the very least. Uh, in the big leagues in September, in the thick of a pennant race, and he's which, like, you know, what's fantastic. funny is think about him and Trey Turner, and by the way, the forgotten outfielder Adam Eaton, and I don't even know how to put them all at the top of the lineup. It's a very good problem to have. And, it's a very good problem to have. And uh, like we're saying, uh, and like you mentioned, next year, regardless of what happens uh, going forward in 2017 into the playoffs, regardless of what happens, you have, uh, you have depth, you have insurance, you have quality players available yeah. um, that you can now withstand a little bit more of an injury. Yeah. You now aren't as worried. What am I going to do with left field? Who yeah. is going to play left field when uh, Jason Worth's contract contract expires at the end of this season? Right. Um, now you've got a great choice between the best center fielder in the National League in Michael A. Taylor and Adam Eaton. So you've got some options. Good there, problem to have. Really nice, and it kind of uh, provides the Nationals with uh, some more options going forward and some more uh, comfortability, if you will. Comfortability. Um, I'm in agreement with that word. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, going into 2018, so – it's a really great time to be a Nationals fan, and I just wanted to make sure that everyone is appreciating what we're seeing on a macro level, not just a 2017 level. That yeah. this is huge. This is important. This is uh, Mike Rizzo believes in building for the long haul, and some of the moves he makes are just outstanding. I mean, yeah. getting Doolittle and Madsen, both who have time left. Uh, uh, organizational control for whatever reason. I think Kitzner too, right? Is or is he is he a one year? But I can't remember. Kitzler, I don't know. Kinsler. Yep, one the of guy with the, the guy with, with the guy with the K. Yeah. yeah. You get to talk about look. They just won an NLE's championship, and we spent ten minutes talking about how great the future is too. So there it is. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> you were you were right by the way. Thirteen outfielders and. If we didn't already have plenty to talk about, I would quiz you as to what the third, who the thirteen outfielders were. But um, I think the only one I would potentially have forgotten was Ryan Rayburn. Okay. Bautista um, is a fun one, and then Defoe got some time. Uh, Diaza. Yep. Diaza. Actually, I, I you know I don't see Defoe listed as an outfielder, but I know you're right. So Fangraphs yep. is wrong. Yeah, so I know. He would be a fourteen. He would be a fourteenth outfielder. <laughs> yeah, I definitely discovered that at some point. Um, so yeah, he's okay. he played. I want to say thirteen innings uh, throughout the year. But Pretty if good. you go to, if you go to his player page, you'll see it. Um, but anyway, yes. Uh, looking forward, the Nationals have the playoffs coming up. They do, and it At- appears as though they will not be catching the Dodgers. Right. Uh, as I wanted. Yeah, as as what makes sense. 
the Nationals have been the best team in baseball before. Uh, and then your reward is you get to play one of the hotter teams in baseball. Right. Uh, who's fighting for their lives up until the last day of the season, trying to make the playoffs in the wild card team. Yes. Um, who's going to come in with a lot of confidence and all that. Yeah. So the, the structure of the playoffs are designed to get the better teams to lose because it used to be the better teams would just go play championship rounds, um, be it world series or, you know, division championship. But now like when we add wildcard teams, they're just trying to get the best team to lose. So I, I'm okay. Not being the best team. Yeah, no question. So it appears as though the nationals barring any drastic changes in the central uh, are going to, excuse me, be facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, the four games up on the Brewers, so I think there's a good, I mean, that's not bulletproof, and six games up on the Cardinals, so that's not bulletproof, but that's still a lot of games at this time of year, and I think the Cubs who, um, I think they're a better team than they were at the midway point this year, I think they've, 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 they've elevated a bit, but I, I ain't scared of the Cubs. No, I don't think so either, and I don't think the Nationals are. And regardless More of, important, right? <laughs> yeah, regardless of what uh, we've seen over the weekend, uh, the Dodgers aren't as much of a threat to the Nationals um, yeah. as this series would make it out to be. The Nationals have gone out of their way to not play their hand against yeah. the Dodgers. They have not gone to their A bullpen. They have not gone to A starters. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, Tanner Roark has been uh, a revelation in the second half, but uh, Edwin Jackson will not be starting in the playoffs. Um, and then some of the relief pitchers you're seeing in there are not going to be getting two and three innings in or any October. Innings. <laughs> or any innings in October. Uh, you're not going to see a lineup uh, most likely where uh, Victor Robles is starting and Andrew Stevenson is starting and Bautista is starting at third. Uh, right. Things would go very, very wrong if that were the case. So the Nationals have kind of gone out of their way to kind of keep their cards close to the vest in this series. And, yeah, they've lost a couple games, and we'll see what happens uh, with the Sunday night game. But the Nationals are really just kind of doing some scouting. They're not playing for anything in, spe- uh, anything in particular. So it's just kind of what happens in uh, in September. So I think the Nationals match up very well against the Cubs, but – I don't think this series really is going to tell us too much about what should be, uh, what they should be afraid of, uh, because yeah. I think the Nationals are a good enough team, um, top to bottom, twenty-five man roster, that they can take care of anyone in a five or seven game series. Yeah, you know the, um, of course, if I, I guess if I were to echo some of the the darker parts of Twitter, we've heard that story <laughs> before. <laughs> um, you know that. that they they have been the better team, and they certainly have been good enough to win in previous series. Uh, it's a crapshoot, and uh, to, to some extent. But the first important step is to have the firepower to win, uh, and then to go out and win. But you know they they certainly do match well with with the Cubs uh, as they have showed this year in the series. And and really, I mean, this last week, I know we wanted to talk about their swoon, um, but this past week, I really I view as an aberration. Um, a bit of a letdown from the, the getting everything done. And as you said, just, you know, Dusty's not showing anything and they're putting people out there just to get him out there and get guys rest. And um, it really seems to be clearly 
designed to uh, try and play just enough baseball to not get rusty um, before October 2. Yeah, I I definitely think that's uh, mostly what is going on. Um, One of the benefits when you get to a point like this, uh, where you have a couple weeks left in the season, you aren't concerned about seeding or making the playoffs, you have a chance to get your players rest, but you also have a chance to get certain players either ramped up or back in the swing of things. And I speak specifically about uh, Bryce Harper, who it appears is going to be, he has begun baseball activities. Uh, He's been running, hitting in the cage. Looks like, uh, according to Ken Rosenthal, he's going to be um, maybe doing some live hitting this week off of uh, some instructional league players that the Nationals are going to bring up uh, for him to face so he can get some, I guess, more baseball action as Mm -hmm. opposed to just hitting off a machine or hitting off of uh, a BP coach or something like that. Um, And then Jason Wirth, he's back from injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's trying to get into the swing of things again. Uh, been a little bit of a slow go for him. Yeah. The, seeing the great things with the long at bats, which are kind of his trademark in which he really excels at. And you want to see him get better because he has been a force in the playoffs for the Nationals in the past. He certainly has. And I think the other thing to keep in mind, though, is if he doesn't get into the swing of things, there's a lot of people that, that have been in the swing of things. And so if he comes off the bench for a game or two, um, I don't know that the Nats are necessar- necessarily hurt by that. And I know that there are certain beards that don't want to hear things like that. But, you, you know, the good news is it's, it's again, one of these good problems to have. And Dusty might be the kind of manager who's comfortable saying, you know, you're going to sit today, Jay. And that's an important thing to to uh, to have as well. I, I am – Worried about Harper, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. I, I think he's going to make the roster. Uh, for obviously, like I don't think there's any way he's not. Oh on yeah, the, no question. The 25 man playoff roster for the first round. My worry is that he kind of 2014 Ryan Zimmerman's it and sort of shows up and doesn't can't really do much. And I always felt like Zim. I don't want to say Zim took a roster spot in 2014, but there was other things that they could have done with his spot for that first series. And he could have maybe made the second series if they had been in it. So uh, there's no way you're keeping Bryce Harper off the roster. I don't want to keep Bryce Harper off the roster. I'm just a little worried that his rushing back, uh, if it is rushing back, you know, it could be one of those short sighted. I'm trying to be tough and tough it out for my team, but ultimately, you know, someone hopefully is, Hopefully there's someone there who knows whether that's the right thing to do or not. I guess that's what I want to say about it. Yeah, I, I agree. There's probably no way you're going to tell Bryce Harper he's not going to be there for the first round. Right. Um, I think someone would probably lose a head. I think, um, Max, I think Max Scherzer is like the only guy who would be more intimidating to try and tell you can't, you can't play baseball right now. Yeah, I think so. And uh, that gets to my, uh, back to the previous point. Uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, pitched late into a game against the Marlins, uh, was over 100 pitches, looked gassed, looked tired. Everyone on, as you call it, in the darker portions of Twitter was screaming, I'm sure I was too, uh, about why he was still in the game when it was revealed after the game. That was the plan. 
Max Scherzer right. likes to ramp himself up around mid to late September and get into those 100, 120 pitch, pitch counts so that he knows he's ready to go. And that's something that was decided on before the game. Obviously, the results weren't there. But as Max said, after the game, I learned more about what I need to do and where I need to go from pitches 100 to 120 than I did from 0 to 100. And it would not have helped him if he'd have left the game before essentially blowing the lead uh, or blowing the close game. Right. That's an important thing that, you know, and certainly a guy like Scherzer has, has earned, I think, the uh, the right to sort of, to some extent, you know, have that leash. And especially when you don't need the game, you don't need the win. It's not really doing anything for you. Uh, it's if that This is definitely the time where it's more important to have players, you know, figure out what they need to know. If it goes to team chemistry, as we, as we like to say, um, then... You know, to hell with the who's batting in the two hole. To make a <laughs> joke. I like it. It's good. <sighs> That's the Anytime wine. We can. That was the wine joking, not me. So yeah. Oh, very nice. Yes. Um. So we touched on it a little bit. Let's go ahead and dig into it right now. Okay. 2017, 25 man roster for the divisional series. Okay. Okay. I've got mine right here pulled up. Okay, Fantastic. I, I so let's start. Let's start with starters. Starting okay. pictures. Starting pictures. So I have Scherzer, Straz, uh, and Geo. That's my three guys, and then my fourth guy is Roark. Um, yep. And that's it. Uh, I'm com- personally, I'm one of these guys that would be comfortable with a three man rotation in a, like a in like a five game series if if I if I thought it was going to help. Um, but all four of those guys have really earned it. I don't know what order I want to pitch them though. If I want to go, I think you've still got to go Scherzer, Straz, Geo, even though yeah. it's right, right, left. Regardless uh, of the splits, I mean, yeah. Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg are dominant against both sides. Yeah. Maybe against like the Dodgers, I would, because I think the Dodgers are still uh, heavy left handed. And this is something I get wrong a lot. But if it was a, a heavy left handed split, I might think about moving Geo up. But. Yeah, it's still tough because the other two guys have pitched so well. Um, and Rourke, of course, has been a revelation, as you, as you said earlier. He's really um, pulled himself together, and so those are my four starters. Yeah, he's um, been one of the best pitchers in the National League in the second half. He's been fantastic. It's been it, He had a, a really rough first half, and I know that the other portion of uh, the host for this podcast uh, said he did not expect to see Roark back uh, to form this year, and <laughs> – Sure enough, Roark is right there. That's it, right? Like he's just—he's um, one of the—he's one of the fifth deniers. He's although although his strikeouts have gone up a lot. Like his thing used to—he was definitely more of a ground ball out and fly ball out pitcher. His strikeouts have gone up a lot this year. I think if I if I were to look it up. Um, so I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to have him. Should we? So that's that's boring. Should we get the other boring part done and just go around the horn? Uh, uh, let's, yeah, let's go around the whole, uh, no, not yet. Let's do bullpen. Okay. Bull- let's do bullpen because I think we might have some yeah, the, well, fireworks. When we I definitely have like, I definitely have question marks against some of them. I mean, so, I mean, do little Madsen, Kitzner, um, and then, right. So the, there's the, the law firm, the law firm, right. right there. So that's three. And then I've got Albers, Romero, P- Perez, 
Those um, are all locks, I believe. Right. All six of those, I think, That's are six. total locks. And and honestly, before this weekend, I had AJ Cole question mark. Yeah. Because I was thinking, well, he might be a good white flag, like a Tom Gorzolani, I need to eat innings in case one of the starters screws up. And I guess that might still be the case, but this last this last outing was okay. I don't know. I can't think of who else to put in there because everyone else I look at and I just cringe. You got to decide. I know. All right, I'll say AJ Cole. I'll just say AJ Cole because I don't want to pick anyone else. So you're going with four-man rotation, seven-man bullpen? Yeah. Wow, not going with that. You want the extra bench spot, huh? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Okay. All I right. don't think so. But I but again, the, the and this is how, when I was writing this out on Friday, I said to myself, you know what, though? It's still September, whatever it is. So I've got two more weeks to change my mind on this six times. And so does Dusty. And that's 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 the luxury of clinching September 6th. It absolutely is. Okay, so my bullpen, I'm going with the eight-man bullpen. Okay. Uh, Whoa, got, okay. Yep. I've got the law firm, uh, of course. Uh, Albers, mm-hmm. Ali Perez, Eni Romero. I've got Sammy Solis and Joe Blanton. And the reason why I do that is both of them have had a really good last month. Both of them have had either 2.5 ERAs and below or, or, or better. So, um, I think having some longer options in there that aren't Tanner Roark, who has not proven himself. Yeah. Um, I think having some longer options that aren't Matt Albers, uh, who I think is going to be your, uh, hey, it's the fifth inning. Gio Gonzalez is in a jam. We need to get out of it. Right. Kind of deal. This is. Uh, oh I God! I don't know, man. Oh, this is baseball. Now you're screaming for baseball. Okay. Is it? Nobody's hurt, right? No one's hurt. The, okay. The, Just... the scoreless inning streak is over because uh, Michael A. Taylor got his glove on a ball but did not squeeze it. Uh, well, maybe maybe it's still a not earned run. We'll see. We'll see. Um. I mean, you look, you can't like, so the process of, of elimination, right? You can't have Sean Kelly. You can't have Jacob Turner. Absolutely not. Right. You, Trevor got Austin Adams, Matt Grace, Coda Glover's still hurt. I think, right. He's not back. No, he's done. He, he got, he's down. done. So, right. You, you, we're talking about AJ Cole, Sammy Solis. Um, this is where I would have put Joe Ross, right? Like, but you know, that's not possible. <laughs> um, you know, Sammy Solis. Yeah, I, I think, you know what I'll say? I'll say this. I think by the time you're picking between AJ Cole, Sammy Solis, and Joe Blanton, like, you're just spinning the wheel anyway. Uh, and you're hoping that all, you, each of them had, ha, has had seriously bad parts of the year and then showed things in other parts of the year. And so by the time you're getting down to that last spot or two, I think that that's when you're, you're, um, you're, uh, you know, you're just sort of rolling the dice. So I won't, I won't, I won't criticize you too much for those picks. But oh, okay. I'm right. really, Thanks. Cr- I'm really cringy when you say Sammy Solis and Joe Blanton. Yeah, well, I mean, his <laughs> outings lately have been really solid. Okay. He had a rough when he first came back. He was not it, either not ready or you know just in a bit of a swoon, um, which is the word of the day apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last month, he's been really solid, I think. So I think hot hand is important uh, when you get to this time of year. That's what she said. That's right. Okay, so moving on. Uh, let's go to the uh, starting lineup. And I think it's probably going to be pretty rubber stamped. Uh, yes. 
for both of us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and start? I, so I wrote mine around the horn, not so much in, in the... That, um, no, 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 not in the <clears throat> one through nine. No, that's yeah. Fine. So I got Rendon, Murphy, Turner, Zimmerman, and Weeders. Um, <clears throat> Michael Taylor, Howie Kendrick, Jason Wirth. Actually, Kendrick would probably be a bench spot because I have Harper with a star because at the time I wasn't sure if he was coming back or not. Okay. Um, and then I have Lobatone slash Pedro Severino because as I was writing it was when Lobes got hurt and I didn't know what his deal was at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I still don't, he, he's, he's all right though, right? He is not, he's not. Yeah, he's um, fine. He actually played yesterday. Okay. That's, that's right. He did. Okay. So I would take Lobatone over Severino. Um, and that's, that's 10 guys right there. Um, and then for the bench, I've got Lind, Drew, Defoe, and Victor Robles. Drew? Yeah, Stephen Drew. Really? Stephen Drew, <clears throat> to me, is a is a veteran middle infielder. And if I am in a pinch and need another middle infielder, that's the guy I want. And I'm perfectly willing for you to tell me who I should be taking over Stephen Drew. No, that's fine. No, I'm just – I was just uh, just curious. Um, yeah, again, I'm not expecting him to do much other than be a defensive re- – I don't know about a defensive replacement, but a replacement in case that there is a, in case of an injury. I'm looking at him as like, if for some reason Daniel Murphy tweaks his something and needs is to. Is Steven Drew going to be back and ready? Is he not ready? What am I doing? No, I don't know. What happened? Wait. He's on the 60 day. Uh, this is the, this is the problem with having a two year old. Huh? You miss, you miss things like Steven Drew are, are, is dead. Okay. Yeah, so there Steve- you go. So Stephen Drew is buried and not alive, and I'm no longer taking him. So why don't you tell me who you took instead? Okay, and I will deflush my the redness in my face. I okay. apologize. Let's let's uh, clarify real quick. Who's your starting? Okay, so you, do you think Harper's going to be starting? If Harper's back, he's starting. They're, okay, up and unless unless he so can't you got Harper walk. in right, you've got yeah. Michael A. Taylor in center. Right. Who you got starting in left field? <laughs> I've got Jason Worth. Okay, all right. And then, depending on how the first game goes or the second game goes, or really how the next couple of weeks go, um, Kendrick is the next choice for me. So if, I've got the same as that's what I think it's going to be. Okay. Um, that is not, however, what I want it to be. <laughs> um, I would really like to rather see Howie Kendrick in left yeah. field starting, and I would really like prefer to see uh, – Severino behind the dish. Okay. Um, starting in the playoffs, yes. I think, oh, my. I think Matt Wieters has been He's terrible. Good. Yeah. He's terrible. I just – and I thought about Severino. I just thought he is such an unproven quantity yeah. that you don't – especially with how it affects starting pitchers and what right. they're comfortable with, that is a – that but, is a, a, a Molotov cocktail, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be Weeder starting. But Severino is who I'm taking uh, for that over, bench catcher spot over Lobatone. Okay, I, that's who I want. It's going to be Lobatone, no question. Uh, just because Dusty's a veterans guy and all that, but I think Severino gives you so much more in terms of um, speed, contact. He is younger. I think he's already got a pretty good relationship with the pitchers. I just right. think he brings so much more to the table than Lobatone does. Um, yeah. So yes. I would much rather Severino. But my bench, uh, as it stands, what I think it will be, uh, I've got Wilmer Defoe. Yes. Um, I've got 
I think it's going to be Lobatone. I want it to be Severino. Right. Um, Howie Kendrick, definitely on the bench. Yep. Uh, Lind, obviously, on the bench. And I think uh, your last bench spot uh, is going to be uh, Deaza. Deaza is probably who I – as I'm looking over this list again – um, now keep in mind, I have one more bench spot than you, which is why yes, I put you Victor, do. which is why I put Victor Robles in. Um, I want him. I want him over Diaz because once again, I think he brings a lot more to the table. Um, but I like I, it's Dusty. It's not going to happen. Right. I think. Well, you, you know, you just have to prepare for those eventualities. Um, I just realized now, like the, the, my schedule of watching baseball and listening to baseball has not been, it just can't be as cautious and as close as I used to watch it. And I just assumed in my head that I had just not seen Steven Drew playing that I was missing his, like when he got subbed into late games, cause I'm always falling asleep at nine 30. So I apologize one more time. <laughs> um, I just really, I'm like, he's gotta be there. And so to hell with that. And as Feng pointed out, like, isn't he on the 60 day deal? Yes. Yes, he is John. Um, <laughs> I I wish he would make a miraculous. Yeah, I, I took I took a minute there because I was like, I'm pretty sure he's in your words dead. Uh, but right? I wanted to look it up just to make sure. But you weren't entirely sure, right? Like I was you're sure like... that I haven't seen him, <laughs> but I figured I didn't want to sound like an idiot. Well, it was like remember when Ross Detweiler was on the team but didn't pitch for like six weeks? Yeah, I thought maybe it was one of those things. <laughs> so... Anyway, um, we wish okay. Steven Drew a speedy recovery, and I, I will now switch out Diaz for Drew, um, or Drew for Diaz, whichever way that goes. And I'm keeping Victor Robles because I'm, I have my extra bench spot, and Lordy is that man an excellent pinch runner. And Gosh, if nothing, sure. if nothing else, if it's a tie game or I'm down one in the eighth or the ninth, uh, I can put him on for anybody, and he can score from first. Yeah, and, and that's that's something that's very important. I would much rather. Uh, just what I've seen, the very small snippets of Victor Robles, not only is he fast, but he definitely has that baseball IQ that I think uh, another pinch runner who is on both of our benches severely lacks. Uh, Wilmer Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a great base, base runner, falls into the Michael A. Taylor category. Yeah. Of yeah. yeah. Well, the, no, I was going to say Taylor's better, but not really. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, both, they're both pretty miserable. They're both pretty miserable. And all you got to do is not too blend. I don't need a lot of, like, great base running. I just need you to not too blend. No, I'm okay with aggressive mistakes, too. Yeah. Like, trying to get to third on a double. I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. But it's when you get, you know, caught off on a soft liner or stuff like that. Right. Um, or picked off when everyone knows the pitcher is throwing over. <laughs> yeah. That's that terrible. Kind of stuff. Terrible. Um, but I want to go back real quick because it seems like we're, uh, I would say, pretty much in agreement on yeah. the bulk of the important pieces. Yes. Uh, you know, the top six of the bullpens, both the same. Right. The starting lineup is the same. I want to touch a little bit more um, because it is turning into a bit of a topic. Uh, Howie Kendrick over Jason Worth and vice versa. Yeah. So uh, obviously we both think that – Jason Worth is going to be the starter uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah. Do you think it's the right decision? That is that is a really good that's a really good question. Yeah, right? I know. Okay, it, I'm awesome. It's um because I don't think it's a clear cut. 
Jason Wirth isn't playing as well as he used to. And of course it's the right answer to play Howie Kendrick. I lean towards Howie Kendrick. I, I mean, I, I think that I would, I would do that. And I think if you needed cover, this is the, oh, this is the best year to do it, right? There's no, Jason Wirth almost certainly isn't coming back next year. He has been a wonderful addition to this team. He, he has I don't, forgotten. I don't see a world where Jason Wirth comes back. Right. He's forgotten more about hitting than any, than most people will ever know. That said, apart from his like launch in the first at bat, he's still kind of struggling to get hits and he is a bit of a liability in the field. And you know, in 2012, I watched Michael Morse lost in the corner looking for a baseball as my hopes and dreams, you know, went down uh. a, a red tube of cardinal poop. And I, I lost the metaphor at the end because I was too sad. Um, but the idea is that those outs matter too. And so that's why I was saying at the beginning, I think there's a place for worth to start a game or two. I think left field is a place where you just look worth in the eye and you say, this is what it is. And you can go out like a team player or you can be upset and pout. And worth to me is not a guy who's necessarily going to pout. I think that, I think that he understands where he's at. And I think he, the good news is he probably, you know, knows these other guys and knows Kendrick well enough and, you know, wants to go out a champion. There's plenty to do coming off the bench for him. So the answer is it's probably, I think the best you can hope for is a mix. I think you can hope for him not to start every game, but, or, yeah, but, but again, he could turn it around. He's, he's still got the mechanics of a great hitter. He's still got the mechanics and there's still a couple weeks left in the season. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Jason Worth's going to be getting much time off because I think that the organization, uh, I think Jason, I think Dusty, I think everyone wants Jason Worth to get there, to get back to, you know, to hitting 270, you know, for the rest of the month. Something like yeah. that. Nothing outstanding, but getting back to what Jason Worth has been. You know, good at bats, uh, hitting some pop, some doubles. Uh, but generally being a leader, taking a lot of pitches, that kind of thing. I think everyone wants him to get there, and I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to get there. But as of right this point, it would be the wrong decision, in my opinion, to have him as your starting left fielder or written in ink uh, going into the playoffs. Uh, Looking at the last 28 days uh, performance for both of the players, Worth has got a slash of 143. 196, 262. Not enough. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, whereas Kendrick is sitting at 270, 329, 392. Which, uh, not phenomenal for like left fielders, but that's a 721 OPS. And that's really good considering that's a player who's not going to be hitting in the 3456 of your lineup. Yeah, it's just no easy way around it. Um, yeah, because the, the lowest he's going to hit is six, right? So, because you're going to have Rendon, Murphy, Turner, Zimmerman, that's four. Harper's five, so Worth would be six. You still need to drive in runs from there. You still, especially especially with a, a back end of, you know, Weeders, Pitcher, and... I forget who I left out. Taylor. I mean, like, now you're talking leaving Michael Taylor out too, right? Like, you're going to hit worth seventh? If you hit worth seventh, is that okay? And if you're hitting worth seventh, wouldn't you rather have a better defensive player in the field? Right? 
Like, yeah. the, right? Like, so if you, by the time you've gotten him down to seventh, if you think he's the sixth or seventh best hitter, you're better off playing Kendrick who can field and isn't going to be as big of a liability in the lineup at seven. If Hart, if Worth can hit and looks like he's hitting over the net last couple of weeks, um, then he, then he earns his spot balance wise in, in, in the, in the roster, in the starting roster. But I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think the question is whether, um, you know, the other thing, I guess the only other thing I'll say on this, and I know I'm sort of rambling, but quickly is that, there is a value, and I think if there's, if this year has taught me anything, there is a value for what the clubhouse thinks of that decision. And if Dusty goes into that clubhouse and thinks everybody's going to be upset because Worth isn't in the starting lineup, it's, it might not be worth it. Because I think that that's some of what, you know, when, with all the clamoring for adjusting the lineup, if, if people were out and putting better hitters up, I think a lot of it really came down to those hitters like to hit in those spaces and Dusty knows that or Dusty has a sense of that and he just leaves them there because it's, you don't monkey with what's, what's working. And I think that there is a, a, a understandable quality that if Dusty's going into that room and he knows it's going to cause more problems than it's going to solve to not field worth, then I think you field worth and you bring in Kendrick late in the game and you put worth down in the order, but you don't rock the boat if you don't have to. Um, even if you are right, you know, about what his value is. I don't necessarily know or think that that's the answer, but I think that's playing devil's advocate. I think that's a reason why you could put him in the lineup and be justified. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say I understand the workings of a major league clubhouse. So that definitely comes into play. Uh, I'm not silly enough to discount the benefits of a positive work environment, uh, such as clubhouse chemistry, that kind of thing. I think there is definitely some effect there, even if it can't be measured in a traditional statistical sense. So I definitely see your point. It makes sense. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm going to be paying close attention to what he does over the next uh, couple weeks. So hopefully he can get to that point uh, where we're not so much saying, I hope it's not Jason Worth. I hope it's not Jason Worth. Uh, and that, okay, all right. He's hitting well enough in the last 14 days that, you know, this will be okay. You know what? Jason Worth Spears is not listening. So he just said so. Uh, so we can just really rip into that Twitter account. Perfect. <laughs> Let's no, do it. Um, okay. Uh, I don't think I have anything else before, uh, we get to questions. Yeah. So, um, let's go ahead. Uh, I know we've got some exciting things coming up in yes. Nationals baseball land. Um, some special events. So Frank, why don't you tell us what you got planned? Yeah. The reason why I'm here, right? Because the, uh, the only, the only reason, the only reason. So don't worry, Jason, we spirit. I won't ever be invited back. I promise you'll, you'll be able to listen live from now on. Um, <laughs> but the half shooter regulars, the fan group that I'm sure you've heard of and Craig is a part of and Joe is a part of, uh, we are throwing a fundraiser at the nationals youth baseball Academy, uh, HSI NYBA field day. Two, uh, electric boogaloo. Um, it's, it's a week from today. It's Sunday the 24th, uh, for a $25 donation. If you're listening to this and you want to go to, uh, the NYBA website and then forward us the receipt, um, we're going to play softball. We're going to have picnic foods. 
Uh, we're gonna have pizza. We're gonna have beer. We're gonna have games. Um, I am pretty sure we're gonna broadcast live from the event on another Google Hangout type situation, possibly commenting on the softball game. Wow. Talking about more. Now. Yeah, no, I am working on th- that. That is a new bit of information. I, that is a breaking story. Um, I am trying to get the setup so that the camera can face the game. And what will hopefully happen is me and a rotating cast of people um, will be talking Nats baseball and talking about the softball game we're watching. Um, it is, first of all, it's a very fun event. If you want to come and have fun in the afternoon, the Nats are away. They're on the Mets. Uh, we'll have the game on somewhere. Uh, you'll be able to check in on your scores. But really, this season's over. Don't worry about it. Just come have fun for a Sunday afternoon, okay? $25 goes a long way to the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy, um, which is a it's, you know about it, correct? You've been there. You've, you've done stuff for them. It's a remarkable organization that, um, is really a lot more about the, uh, community. It's a, it's, it's, they teach baseball, but it's, it's, they use baseball as a vehicle to teach children, their, their scholar athletes, um, uh, life lessons and, and just sort of how to be good citizens. Not that they weren't good citizens, but how to be good citizens and help mold them into great citizens going forward. This is in one of the most at-risk neighborhoods in the city. Um, it's a beautiful facility. You go there. It is gorgeous. It is wonderful. And these kids get to come there after school. They get homework help. They get extra lessons in education. They, they learn really basic. I remember what struck me was they had cooking classes for families that lived yeah. in the area because they were just like a lot of people don't have the means to, uh, you know, it's, it's hard enough to sort of afford groceries, but then to know, not to know what to do with them, but they, they just how to cook, you know, healthy. And it's just something that the community doesn't have. And they, they they would, you know, go in, they teach kids, they teach families. Um, it's a safe haven. It is an encouraging and fostering environment. They have tutors. You can volunteer to be a tutor. Um, and despite the fact that they are associated with the nationals, they actually don't get a lot of money from the team. Most of their operating budget comes from people who donate. They have some very high profile fundraisers. Ours is a smaller fundraiser. We have some excellent swag we're giving away, including a Jason Worth bat. Um, we're working on a few other items that we're doing. Uh, and then the following week, uh, is going to be end of the regular season bash four, which is at Nationals Park on Saturday, the 30th. Uh, and Stephanie, uh, I think it's actually blowout. Blowout. What did I say? Bash blowout. You're right. I think it's actually blowout. I run this organ. No, (laughs) I founded it. I can just change it to bash whenever I want. Um, no, I can't. I definitely am going to get in trouble for saying that now. Uh, but Stephanie's in charge of it and does a wonderful job. And they are going to have a bunch of stuff at the Red Porch that they're raffling off on behalf of the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy, which will also be there on September 30th at the game. So the 24th, the 30th, that's a lot of information to process through your ears. Just find me at Nationals 101 um, and ask me about this, and I will make sure you have the information. Uh, even if you can't come, consider donating or stopping by and buying some raffle tickets. Um, but really, you should come. Come out, play bait. Come out and play softball. It's not going to be a competitive game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be pretty competitive. I don't know. Well, you're going to be competitive, and everyone's going to roll their eyes at you. But <laughs> <laughs> So that's different from normal how? Yeah, it won't be different. It'll be comfortable. 
So there we go. very good. And you're coming. So I'm yes. And, and my baby will be there. And I think your baby's going to be there. I think little Mac will be making an appearance. All yes. right. Baby 101 will be there. So kid 101, really it's kid 101. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It really is a hole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, say that about your kid, not my kid. A hole Mac. That, that, that'd be too confused for me though. Yeah. That's... Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, the, uh, Nationals Youth Baseball Academy is a great organization. Anyone who's a special ops member and who's listened to this show knows that any extra we make uh, outside of running the cost of the show, our donations go to them because it provides a, a tremendous need for the people in the community. And like Frank said, it gives these uh, kids who have a lot of need uh, a place to go after school, a safe place to go, uh, teaching them not just uh, – uh, things about baseball, but life skills uh, gives them a support system and all of that. So it's a great organization. We're happy to support them. And some more breaking news um, on the podcast about the end of the regular season. Blowout. Blowout 4. Uh, blowout yes. 4. Hashtag. Uh, there is going to be a, a live, uh, an auction that is actually set up right now. Uh, that we are going to retweet from oh, the yes. show page uh, with some autographed items. Uh, I believe there is a Max Scherzer signed picture. There is a Jason Worth autographed jersey, yeah. which is the, the, the big one, and I believe a Steven Strasburg signed ball. So yeah. there's some really cool items uh, at both the event on the 24th at the Youth Baseball Academy and at the 30th at Nationals Park at the Budweiser Lounge, Red Formerly Bridge. the Red Porch, yeah, the the dumb Budweiser brew house. Yeah, so we are really happy to be supporting both of these things from this podcast. One of the raffle items, actually, for the thirtieth at the game, will be one of our famous in play runs shirts. That uh, is that a great we are shirt. Donating. Uh, oh, yeah, and I have one. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be uh, donating that from the show. Uh, for someone to hopefully win, and then we'll let you pick the size, let you pick the color, let you pick the cut, whatever you want. So you got to go with black and white letters. It's the, that's what I. That's what I the classic. Classic. It's classic. The other the other shirt is the shirt. Um, it's the it's the Harper overhated shirt, which uh, Max, I think Max Duchesne, one of the Duchesnes, it was Max, uh, helped helped me design. I had a tweet one day about Bryce Harper not being overrated but overhated, and it was like. It blew up, and he's like, that should be on a T-shirt. And, I, and we figured out how to make it a T-shirt, and that will be either at the – and I forget which event, the NYBA or the end of the regular season blowout. Just come to both. You won't miss Just come anything. to both. We're fine. Uh, go to it's the auction. Fun. It's got the jersey, the Max picture. There's actually a, a Tanner Roark, not Roark picture uh, autographed as well. So it's – we are really happy to be supporting uh, great causes always, and we love the Youth Baseball Academy – uh, and they apparently like us for some reason. So come out, uh, have some food, have some beers, have some soda pops, uh, play some softball next Sunday at noon at the National Youth Baseball Academy in yes. what is the address technically southeast? Uh, no, it's, it's, uh, Ely. It's, you know what? Again, find me. What's easier is go to at Nationals 101. And I will have the poster up with the address. It's on Ely Avenue, Ely Place in Southeast. It's where Fort Dupont is. If you know where Fort Dupont Park is, um, that's where that's where their facility is. There we go. Beautiful. Yeah. 
So without further ado, let's uh, let's start to bang out some questions. Yes. What do you say? I am. I will bang whatever you put in front of me. That. Wow. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm trying. I know we got a couple questions the day before. We ran over our 25 man roster, which is awesome. Best Oktoberfest beer. First off, what are you drinking? Oh, right now. So earlier, I know you're a beer fan, so I will. I will say that I went to the uh, Virginia Beer and Wine Store that uh, your buddy opened, and I got Old Speckled Hen, which is my oh, favorite. Yes. It is my favorite English ale, and the problem in this country is it only comes in bottles, and that ruins the taste. It gets. It comes in Tall Boys. Aha! I found it in Tall Boys. There you go okay. at the place. So I had one of those over lunch, which was delicious. Um, right now I am drinking. The, and then you fell asleep. Then I definitely like got a little dizzy and the child was yelling and now everyone's in bed and at night, um, I'm having a little bit of layer cake, uh, Malbec, uh, Malbec. That's the standard red wine in the house. It's a classic smooth Malbec taste. It's cheap. It's affordable. And we just drink it out of coffee mugs here. And, uh, you know, so that's my, my beer was the English ale. That's kind of what I've been, been loving lately, but, but I'm on the, onto the wine now. And you. Uh, all drink, all drinks matter. First off, <laughs> all tr- you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to agree with that or not, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now I'm drinking a Founders 2017 Kentucky breakfast stout, uh, breakfast stout aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, uh, clocks in at 11.8% alcohol. Boy. So pretty good. It's a pretty strong one. Pretty um, good. That's good because the wine's around there. My wine's a little right around there too. So we're yeah, yeah, we're we're on pace. It's good. Um, okay, questions. Yes. Uh, can we eliminate Sunday night baseball? Absolutely. Yeah. Next question. Not a fan. No, it's terrible. First of all, look in the fall, and I know nobody wants to hear like baseball fans don't want to hear this. It's competing with Sunday night football, and like so, I don't even know how many people are watching it on ESPN, but. It's just late on a Sunday night and I've got to go to work. And, and the other thing is like, there's no clock in baseball, which is great, but that means I don't know how long this game's going to last. The Metro doesn't close here in DC. So everybody's gun shy about going to the game. The Metro does close. The Metro does close. I mean, it, right. It, it, it closes at midnight tonight. And if your game starts at 830, that's, that's dicey whether you're going to get home on the metro or not. And so, yes, I 100% am not a fan. Although I, I, I really like Jessica Mendoza. Uh, um, Dan Shulman's great as well. Yeah, I, I think their broadcast group has gotten a lot better. But I agree. I, you know what? It should be ESPN um, Sunday afternoon. Or that's that's the problem is like football the dominates time. the weekend, and so their best bet is to go up against one football game instead of all the football games. Um, but no, I'm not a fan of Sunday night football. I should be, it should be like Tuesday night baseball. I would honestly stay up for that more than I would Sunday night. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, I've gone, I've gone back and forth. I just don't see a better way uh, around it because like you said, you are going up against one game. I do wish the game started earlier. I think yes. an eight ten, eight fifteen start on a Sunday night on the East coast is very, uh, challenging for the working folk uh, yes. that don't stay up too late. Uh, games are running long anyway, especially when you get into September and the rosters are expanded. But like I said, there's not much else you can do about it. And I understand it being on a Sunday. 
series typically ends on a Sunday. Uh, you can kind of manipulate it a little bit, but I just, I've gone back and forth. I don't really have too much of a problem either way because I'm not a big pointy ball fan. So yes, you know, 12 year old Frank is a big pointy ball fan and I watch on his behalf. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Can we break the DC Snyder curse? What's the DC Snyder curse? I'm guessing it's uh, no one's won since Dan Snyder took over the Redskins. Oh, oh, that doesn't seem like it's my problem though. So I don't think it's really a curse on me. That's I, fair. I'm going to reject the premise. Wow. I'm going to reject the the, the premise, uh and and say that uh, the that the Snyder curse is well earned, and that the only way to get rid of the Snyder curse is to uh, change the owner of the football team. And yeah. so, and but it really only affects the football team. That's it. If everybody, so. if everybody who watches the Nationals stops rooting for the football team, the curse will be will be inoculated from the curse, and wow. so then we'll be good. That's spectacular. I like it. Uh, why is Beard's fantasy football team underperforming? Probably because he didn't tune in live and he said kind of mean things about me. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I think it's because uh, fantasy football is a crapshoot. Yes. Uh, and that everyone in football gets hurt because it's dangerous. Because it's dangerous and stupid. Yep, that's. I, I wasn't gonna say stupid. It it is a little stupid, and again, I watch. I watch it with twelve year old Frank. My inner child watches this, and and I acknowledge it's stupid. Okay, from Martha, why do I feel like baseball, or why do I feel like breaking up with baseball every September? Ooh, every September? Yeah, I I would understand like as like an every October sort of thing. Like you you're frustrated, maybe. I don't know, Martha. And I and do you want to take a stab at this first, Craig? Uh, I think part of it is there is a sense of dread, yeah, uh, for Nationals fans right now. That okay, uh, kind of kind of along the same lines that uh, Washington Capitals fans have. Yeah, it's like okay, great, we're going to be the number one seed again, but we're not going to make it out of the second round. Is it is it commitment time? And you're like staring at this relationship, going. All right, we've had a lot of fun this summer. It's been free. It's been easy. I've been coming up to see baseball whenever I want to. I kind of leave. Summer loving. Right? And now it's like the holidays are coming, and I have to bring baseball home to my family. Summer days shifting the nights. (laughs) Oh, well, oh, well, oh. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think you're just worried about the commitment to baseball, Martha, and I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah, I think it's hard. Because it's been uh, it's been widely just assumed the Nationals were going to be the second seed in the NL for months and months and months uh, this season. So there really hasn't been a lot of suspense. So now that we're here, uh, it's kind of like, okay, let's get there already. I'm kind of anxious about what's coming in October. I just want to get there. But yes. I don't know if that – signifies every September, but definitely I can see where it's this September. Yeah. So yes, uh, definitely definitely this year it's just getting me to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is an interesting one from uh Fang and we have a lot of Fang questions tonight. Good. Um, Hi John. This is uh there's a soccer podcast called Men in Blazers. Yes. One of, one of my favorites. Uh and they had showrunner uh who did the wire, David Simon. He talked about how 
he hexed a baseball pitcher hmm. when he was younger, and he basically wished and prayed that this pitcher would complete a no-hitter, uh, and the pitcher completed a no-hitter or something like that. And after the pitcher got the no-hitter, there was essentially a curse placed on the team, or so he thought. And mm. so he went to extraordinary lengths to try and break the curse through this pitcher. Uh, it was uh, It's a great story. It's very interesting. He actually – it was an exposed curse. Uh, and he actually brought – David Simon brought the former exposed pitcher to Nationals Park to throw out a first pitch. And I want to say someone got – like the game got rained out and then someone got severely injured like immediately afterwards. Okay. So it's a very interesting story. But the question uh, – go listen to it. Uh, the question is what have you done to try to undo a hex? What have I done to try and undo a hex? I'm a big – if I'm not watching something and it's going well, I don't tune in or I, 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 I leave the room and I'll stay in the other room. If it, Oh, wow. Like I've definitely like stayed in a bathroom for a long uh, – for a sports thing where I was watching a sporting event with friends and it wasn't going well. And I went to the bathroom and they yelled at me to stay in the bathroom. And I stayed in the bathroom. Wow. I stayed in the bathroom until the until the period ended, and then I came out, and they said I could come out then. And I, so I'll do things like that. I, I can't think of anything quite as showy. What about you? Um, mine is mostly like if I'm having a certain beer and a team wins, I have to have that beer again. Yeah. You know, um, if my team is doing well <clears> – <throat> I uh, stick with the same drink I'm drinking. Um, and one of the prime examples of that is 2015 Major League Soccer MLS Cup final. Um, I cracked open uh, at the start of the game uh, a Uinta Hopnosh, which is a very tasty IPA. Um, cracked it open. 30 seconds into the game, uh, my team scored. And I was like, okay, well, I just need to keep drinking this beer. I cannot switch from this <laughs> beer because the second I opened it, they scored. So that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I'll just st- stick with the same course. So that kind of thing. Okay, good. Um, from Patty, should Robles uh, get more game time? Uh, game time in September? Sure. Why not? Yeah, right now. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's a perfectly reasonable idea. We have uh, – I wouldn't say a dearth of outfielders, but there's definitely room to play him and he should get all the major league experience he can. I mean, certainly the teams he's playing are as we finish up against the NL East won't be great, but they're still playing. They're still trying. And so it'll be good for him. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, like I said, I think it's important to see Jason Worth in there getting as much playing time as he can to try and get him up to speed. But I definitely think he should be spelling, uh, being a late-inning defensive replacement more often mm-hmm. than he is. Um, do you have any fall beer recommendations? Any fall beer recommendations? Um, I mean, to be honest, I've really set – you're the beer connoisseur, Craig. I'll just say I've settled into my IPAs. You know, I, I'll go, go. I'll switch between my Goose Island and, and the Public Ale uh, from D.C. Brow and, you know, a couple of others. Uh, I really don't like Oktoberfest anymore. No. I don't know. I, wow. I just lost my taste for it. But if you have a good one, I'll try it. Why don't you give us your recommendations? Um, 
Well, fall is, you know, getting into darker beers. I, I love Oktoberfest beers. Fall mm-hmm, drinking mm-hmm. is my favorite. Uh, stick with the Germans. My favorite being Hofrau. Um, but that was my German, favorite. Yeah, stick with the German Oktoberfest and you'll be pretty happy. Go and get the uh, five liter can if you uh, are able to. And if you see it, it's amazing. It's a good weekend for me. No um, Boston. No Boston. Uh, follow me into the jungle. No, no, I haven't had that in years, but uh, I remember it being one of their better ones, so that's fine. And then pumpkin beer is the other big thing. Yeah. Uh, I won't hate on you if you like pumpkin beers. It's generally not my thing, but if you're going to, Schlafly Pumpkin is the number one. Okay. Yeah, I never got into pumpkin beers, and I'm with you. I'm a little past hating people for their their pumpkin or pumpkin, even pumpkin spice flavor things. Like, that's your body. You just do it now. <laughs> um, so yeah, stick with uh, stick with German for Oktoberfest and go get you some Schlafly pumpkin. You'll be fine. Yes. Um, what do you think about uh, Shohai Otani? Where is he going? How much is he going to cost? Good question. Why don't you start with that? Okay. If anyone who's not familiar with Shohai Otani, uh, he is a Korean baseball player. Who? Um, how can I put this into terms? Okay. Uh, Clayton Kershaw on the mound and Mike Trout in the field. That's not possible. For Korea. For Oh, okay. He's Korean. That, that sounds really terrible, the fact that I just sort of bent right over and said, no, okay, I get that makes sense. But the, it, that it, it is I, more... I, I don't think he would replicate that performance, obviously, over here. Right. To that extent. But in the Korean Baseball League, he is the best pitcher and the best position player. Okay. All at the same time. Okay. See, I don't know enough about him, or I, and I'm looking at the stories about him now, and I am reminded of Dice K and a couple of other people who Darvish, Darvish, who came over and were gonna make money in Tanaka. Uh, you know, these are the guys you had to like pay just to even talk to, and yes. I've been really skeptical of those deals. I look at Dice K and I think I don't know. I don't think he was quite worth. The money, even though he did end up kind of pitching for a while. Darvish is a different story. Tanaka, I think the book is still out on him. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, people are saying, like, he could he replace Bryce Harper if they leave? I don't know. It depends on what's better. Certainly the baseball is different. It's not bad in Korea. And I don't know if you've ever watched. Um, sometimes it comes on late at night um, <laughs> on cable when I can't fall asleep. And I'll watch it. And it's... It's certainly the most fun baseball I've ever seen is Korean baseball, and the fans get really into it, and I love it. Okay, he's uh, Japanese, apparently. Okay, fine. Oh, Sorry, okay. Fine. Japanese League. All right, cool. Sorry. For I you. was going with Craig. I didn't I'm racist. I'm sorry. Yep. yep. Well, good. As long as you've established which there one of us go. is the racist, then we're good. Um, the Japanese Baseball League is also very good. Um, yes. And players have definitely come over and played very well. Um, but I'm just skeptical of not being able to to – to see how those guys play. You know who I'm going to do? I, if, I'm going to talk to Luigi on, on Twitter because he will every, he is actually, yeah. he follows this a lot and he would know. And so if you want a good answer to your question, tweet him. Yeah, he's, uh, like I said, his performance has been that, uh, and he had, he recently came off an injury uh, for pitching. So he's only been position playering. Um, but I think it's 23. definitely. Yeah, yeah, he's 23. But he has been, he's going to be posted this offseason. And with the new baseball rules, he is not going to be making a lot of money. Um, okay. He is subject to uh, international bonus pools and such like that. So he's okay. putting, he's leaving a lot on the table uh, to come over now instead of waiting a couple of years. 
until he can sign over 20, over age 25 for whatever he wants. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Every single team is going to be on him. A lot of teams have actually see, uh, sent scouts over to watch him play in the last couple of weeks. Um, well, if he's, if he's subject to some of those, like, salary restrictions, that softens my stance a little, and I'm yeah. a little yeah. more Yeah, he's going to go wherever he wants, but I guarantee there's going to be some backroom dealing um, that he plays for the minimum and then gets some type of extension after year one. But uh, as far as I understand, he when he comes over, he is essentially uh, like any other rookie uh, that comes up through a system, any other prospect, where he will be uh, team control for three years, ARBs for three years. So there's going to be some shenanigans going on, handshake deals to get him to sign with their team. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. with the cost not being extreme, I want to say uh, there's going to be a fee of about $20 million uh, for the posting, which is right around the max uh, that will go to his former ball club. Um, but okay, every, yeah. Yeah, every team will pay that. Um, for the right to negotiate and then they'll pick one. Everyone's going to go to the max and then he'll pretty much have his pick of where he wants to go. Obviously West coast has been a popular destination for, yeah. um, for players coming over from Japan and Korea. But so, not exclusively. So, I mean, Darvish and Tanaka both, I mean, they, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see, but uh, obviously a great player. I think he's probably going to want to go somewhere where he's going to pitch and hit still. So hmm. I would think, National League? I would think National League, but potentially American League because I'm not sure how much of a position he has on the diamond. So DH uh, and then hit when he pitches. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool, actually. Honestly, I would kind of like to see that. Yeah, so he will be coming over to baseball in 2018. All right. Well, I am am excited to to follow him now. Uh, How much weight should we post – placed on a post-division clinch win-loss record in September. How much should we care about wins and losses right today? I would place six ounces if you're asking me how much weight. Uh, okay, great. A I very would, small amount. I would place about two and a half beers. Yes, yes, that's about how much I would place as well. Perfect. Which is- uh, one of the issues for the Nats in the past has been, as the weather cools, the offense cools. Hmm. How do the Nats overcome that? Uh, we should have gotten that roof like the learners wanted. We could have heated oh the studio. Oh, my God, I forgot about the roof. You know, Ted was trying to help you guys out, and everybody threw their hands up about all the money it was going to cost. But, you know, you could have pumped that up to 87 degrees, and those balls have been flying out. Uh, that's a good question. I think that the offense has also waned as in every postseason people have been injured. <laughs> and so, I mean, their first postseason, they, they scored quite a few. They were up 6 nothing in game five in 2012. Sorry to keep bringing that up, but they scored plenty of runs. Um, and last year, I would say Wilson Ramos and Daniel Murphy not being healthy was a lot more to do with why they weren't scoring runs in the cold air. So the best way to score runs in the cold air is to stay healthy. Yeah, I think uh, part of the problem is as it gets cold as well, you are in the playoffs and playing the better teams, better teams. With the better pitching staff, right? And all of that. So I think that also comes into effect. On the list of reasons, it, it's yeah, it's cold is way down there on the list. Let's see. I'm going to skip a couple of these. Take that. Already answered that one. <laughs> Already answered that one. I'm not. Let's see. 
Uh, what? Do, how do you feel about September forty-man rosters? Do you uh, think it's a problem? Do you think it's what is the problem about it? Do you like it? Tell me your thoughts. Uh, I think it's. I mean, it's a. It's certainly got its its tradition now. It's rooted in in baseball. I like it. I, I th- those players don't have anything to do in September if they're not on playoff rosters in the minors. So I think going into the the postseason, it's a good thing. It's it's sort of um, if you're on a bad team, you get to see young players. If you're on a good team, your good team's resting a little. Um, if your team's stuck in a pennant race, uh, then they are some valuable bench depth, but you're probably still seeing all the main players play. Uh, I don't really have a problem with it. Do you, is there? Do you have a problem with it, or is there a problem with it? I mean, the the, the main problem is the games can get pretty long, a lot longer than they already are. Practice uh, because, <laughs> because you've got a lot of bullpen pieces, and you can mm-hmm. play uh, matchups every mm-hmm. single batter from the seventh to the ninth innings. Mm. Um, so I think that is probably the main complaint: uh, the massive amount of pitching changes. Um, I think my solution would probably be um, involve greater changes to baseball, uh, not just in September alone, but having like, here is your game day lineup. It is these 18, 19, 20 players that you have to choose from on a given day. Okay. So whereas you can either do it by the series or by the game and kind of rotate as you need to, but uh, having – all 40 players available is traditional and it's how it's always been done. And, you know, I don't care that much about it because I like baseball and I don't care about games being shorter because I want more of baseball. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Matt Albers has really good numbers this year. Uh, Do you think they reflect how good or bad he actually has been? Good question. I, I need to look at Matt Albers numbers. Um, I think I mean, it's a uh, depart- it's a it's certainly uh it's it's his best year by war so and he's got a lot of middling years he's got, I think in the last year in 2016 it was pretty terrible um I think it's probably high for him but I think it's not you know totally an aberration go ahead you you probably have better thoughts than I yeah uh Matt Elbers I think he's definitely been the best pitcher in the Nationals bullpen all season, uh, so that's taking out Kinsler and right. Madsen and Doolittle. I think he was the stabilizing force through the dark times of mm-hmm. the first half of the season. Um, I don't think you can look at his numbers and – I mean, yes, you can be surprised because it is Matt Albers, and I'm sure many people hadn't actually heard yeah. of Matt Albers before this season. Uh, but his numbers really speak for themselves. He's been very, very good. And right. I think his performances, he doesn't look impressive. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He, um, his physique is not that of a, um, well-tuned <laughs> he's machine. Not, he's not Adonis. Yes. Yes. He's not an Adonis. Uh, he's more of a Bartolo Cologne. Um, but his performance speaks for itself. He's gotten the job done and it, Hasn't always been the prettiest. I mean, it's not like he's uh, letting up a ton of base runners, but he doesn't strike guys out, and he gets outs. And so I think his performance is exactly, you know, what he's been, and I think it's been very, very good. I think his bad outings have been few and far between. Like I said, I think he's been a stabilizing force 
for the bullpen all season long. Apart from 2016, he's been a replacement player or a slightly above replacement player for the most part. Um, so I think this is maybe a little bit of a an aberration. Like if you were to look at his career and he's playing a little bit better than he he probably is, but that's okay. And I don't I don't know that it would be a big drop off if you kept him around next year as well. Um, it'd probably be, you know get a lot of the same, if not all the same. All right, and we are. I think we're running a bit long, so we're going to take two more questions. Okay. Um, this is from the runner of end of the regular season bash blowout for oh. uh, Steph Bully. Will the Nats ever win again? Yes. Yes, they will. And I think they'll probably win sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, so I agree. Uh, I think the Nationals are a very good team. I think they've had a week where they kind of just eh, checked out a little bit. And like we said earlier, uh, mm-hmm. with the Dodgers, they didn't want to show uh, everything they had in a meaningless September game. Right. Um, but I think this is a very good team. I think the Nationals are getting players healthy, getting players at bats. Uh, I don't really expect to win too many games where you have one player who was on the opening day roster not even starting lineup. Right. Starting or playing in the game. So I think <laughs> yeah. there's probably not that much expectation to win. And it's about the experience uh, sometimes and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have players that honestly I, I've never heard of in the Nationals organization playing entire games, that probably is a sign that the Nationals are probably just resting people. I mean, had you heard of Adrian Sanchez before two months ago? Nope. Neither had I. Uh, so there you go. Refraining uh, and, from my joke. Refraining and the from last, joke. that's okay. <laughs> uh, and the last question, um, I wanted to see what you thought about Dusty Baker's continued harping on fan support at the ballpark. This is a big question to end on. So I'll, and I know we're running late, so I'll, I'll try and be concise. Um, the Nats checked out this week, so I don't know why the fans couldn't check out too. That's my that's my initial snappy answer to Dusty. It's like you know when you want to field a, a baseball team that's playing well, uh, you know we'll step up to the plate, and it's going to be loud in October. I think that there's just a dance that happens. Baseball is an 81 game at home season. It is a lot of games. It is a long time to watch a baseball game. Uh, it is a commitment. It is, an, is a financial commitment. It is a time commitment. It is a potentially I need to find different ways home commitment. And so if we show up and you're down eight nothing like you were this week, then I might check out early and that's okay. I'll be there in October. I'll be loud. Um, I'm watching at home. I'm listening on the radio. We love the team. I think the dance is Dusty gets to say that every once in a while. We all roll their, our eyes and just show up the next day. That's fair. Um, I think September's hard around all of baseball. Yeah. Um, school gets back. It's hard for parents. It's hard for people who work, especially in this town, mm-hmm. who have to work at 7 a.m., uh, be at work, leave at work at 6 a.m., something like that, to commute into D.C. to go to a game. That's yeah. difficult. I mean, I have not been to a Nationals game since April or May. It's been forever. Just because, for me, it's an hour drive. It's parking. It's getting there. It's staying for however long the game is going to be. And then if it's a weeknight game or um, 
a seven o'clock game, the game's mostly going to be over between 10 and 10.30. Right. That's walking to my car, getting to my car at 11, driving through traffic, getting home after midnight. And then if I have to work the next day, that is severely hampering that. So especially for those families with kids. Um, yeah. I mean, I live a lot closer school. than you, and it's basically the same calculus for me. It's it's I mean, getting home at 1130 is not much better than getting home at 12, 12 or 1230 if you've got to no. be up at 630 the next morning and be working. And that's so many people in this town. And so yeah. – it's really difficult, and once you've gotten to this point, the Nationals have clinched. The team is kind of, like we've said, kind of checked out a little bit, kind of playing the kids. And, yeah, that's exciting, but to be demanding of your fans who have been there through dark times, through the rough times, are here, ready to go, like you said, in October, yeah, uh, ready to go for the end of the season, um, having a little break as well. Uh, is kind of what we need, and I just, I, it always rubs me the wrong way when rich professionals tell people how they should be spending their money. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I always, it always rubs me the wrong way. Uh, hey, you're making ten million dollars to sit there on the bench while I watch some kid who makes, you know, he's on minimum salary per diem, September call up, who's sharing an apartment with five guys, you know, right. during the rest of the season. Like, I'm sorry, is that really worth my 20 bucks in a ticket and then 30 bucks in food and drink and 20 bucks to park? Is that really worth it on a Tuesday night when the in-home experience is pretty good outside of certain broadcasters? Um, certain broadcasters that some people on this podcast aren't as disappointed in as you, but yeah. So it's, it's tough and, I'm I'm with you. I watch all the games. I listen to the games. I root for the team. I talk about them with friends. I talk about them on a podcast. So yeah, I think um, that I think the most that what happens in other cities is, and then and then I know we got to go. Is that like a really big city like New York or a baseball his, rich history city like St. Louis? There is enough fans that rotate every night that it feels like it's always it's it's more full or more capacity and. Maybe as a town, we're still not there yet, where it really is still like there's about forty to fifty thousand like truly fanatical Nats fans, but they can't show up to the game every night, and yeah. you just can't do it. And not to diminish people's work in other places, but like this is one of those towns where work gets it, it, even if it isn't as more important than other places, everybody makes you feel like it's more important, and so <laughs> like you damn well better like be at work. I guess that's every boss everywhere. I'll, I'll retract my earlier thought. But no, no, I understand what you're saying. You feel like the country's going to fall apart if you yeah. don't show up to work. That's what most people feel like every day here. So, yeah. No, that makes sense. And, I mean, if Dusty Baker wants to open up his wallet and pay for someone's season tickets, if he wants to pay for some season tickets for me, I'll yeah. be there every game. That's fine. You want to pay, for the, to, you want to pay for the Metro to be open till 1 or 2 in the morning? A lot more people are going to come and stay out. Yeah, uh, give us some cheaper parking options, and we'll be there. So, so it's it's a tough conversation. It's tough to hear. Um, I don't know how guilting people is going to help. Uh, it's frustrating, but yeah. we'll be there uh, in October, ready to go. The stadium will be sold out. 
Yeah. Um, Half Street will be popping. It's going to be great. Um, just roll your eyes now at Dusty. He needs to vent too. He's had a bad week. So just, you know, he was angry and he was angry about something else and he took it out on us a little and it's okay and we'll be friends tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Frank, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I know this ran long because we talked about the Youth Baseball Academy and I apologize, but no, thank you. We talked I had about a great a time. Stuff. I we had did. a great time as well. I had a wonderful time. Uh, I had the best time. Okay, I didn't have the best time because you had the best time. That's but right. I had the second best time. There we go. So, uh, some dates for you guys to remember. Next Sunday, uh, Youth Baseball Academy, Southeast DC. Be there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, a lot, you're going to see a lot of great things there. The facility's amazing. Going to have some fun. Going to support a great cause. Uh, and then make sure you're at the park on the 30th, which is a Saturday. Uh, there's going to be auctions. There's going to be people. There's going to be fun. There's going to be Plinko, probably. Uh, yeah. Which, who doesn't love Plinko? Uh, so it's going to be great. Thank you so much for tuning in to whatever number episode this is uh, with Frank, who I'm so glad can join us tonight. And uh, we will hopefully be getting back to you with another show before the end of the season. And if not before the end of the season, definitely before the playoffs. Yes. So, I'm sure. Thank you, guys you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Nats Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at natstalkonthego on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!